Wait, are you gaming on a Chromebook? Yeah, it's got a high-res 120 hertz display, plus this killer RGB keyboard. And I can access thousands of games anytime, anywhere. Stop playing. What? Get out of here. Huh? Yeah, I want you to stop playing and get out of here so I can game on that Chromebook. Got it. Discover the ultimate cloud gaming machine, a new kind of Chromebook. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that you can stay close to your team even if you don't live in their town. Like, maybe you're a Raven who married a Seahawk who got a job in the land of the Falcons. With NFL Sunday Ticket, you can watch your team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games no matter where you live because you shouldn't have to change teams even if you change towns. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. The grade cricketer is a Twitter stream. It's about playing cricket at the grade level. It's a tough, mean, dirty, dirty business being a grade cricketer. A lot of cricketers, you know, that's all they know. They've mm. done it since they're 10 and they have a deep-seated fear of change. But the grade cricket is all about being the most alpha version of yourself as possible at all costs and at all times. I don't bat or bowl. I just feel a gully, count the number of dot balls in a row, sledge 15-year-olds, make me feel better about myself. Thanks, Thanks champ. champ. Oh, no, you called me champ. <laughs> Welcome to the Great Cricketer Podcast. On today's show, Australia win their T20 series against Pakistan without 90% of the team getting a hit. We'll look ahead to the Australia A game in Perth for the annual bash-off this time under lights. We'll talk about Mohamed Irfan bare-handing a seagull on a cruise in Dubai and other completely normal sentences. It happened again. England beat New Zealand in a super over to win the series 3-2 with just about everyone laughing in the final over, including Jimmy Neeson. We've got India and Bangladesh, Graham Smith in South Africa, Pat Howard and the Wallabies, and just about everything in between. All of that before we answer your terrific, terrific questions this week and scenarios this week in hashtag AskTGC. Of course, none of this would happen without a good friends of Budgie Smuggler who make this show entirely possible. And them giving us money means that we can all be in the same room. So it would mean a lot to us, if you smugglers and smugglets out there supported them the way they've supported us for a couple of years now, use the code CHAMP at checkout for the month of November to get 10% off your next order. More about budgiesmuggler.com.au later in today's show. My name is Ian Higgins, and I'm joined by Dave Edwards to my left and Sam Perry to my right. And yet again, Australia are the greatest team to have ever played the game of cricket, boys. So what are we going to complain about? Why are you standing up with your shirt off? <laughs> That's a very energetic intro. Mm. And gesticulating wildly. Very good. Mm. Helps. Mm. Helps That's the awesome. listeners. Well, yeah. He goes, I'm glad you reminded me and the listeners of what just happened in this last week because mm. I, I want to posit to the group. Posit, please. From November 1, or even just beforehand, maybe late October when the Sri Lanka series started. I think it was Sri Lanka who came out. Mm. I think so. Uh, we're talking about Australian T20s. Mm. Ha- have we just witnessed the most forgettable cricket, international cricket, ever played on these shores? Hard to say because other examples I've already forgotten. Correct. That's right. It's a, it's a paradoxical question. But <laughs> I think so. I mean, I don't know whether it's my own early onset amnesia, which I constantly think about and concerned about, mm. um, but I don't recall any of the specifics for any of these matches. I, I only remember the last two series in pictures, yep. and the only picture in my head is Steve Smith grimacing as he plays another strange oh. shot that people still feel uneasy about, even though he has a wonderful technique, yeah. but we just don't have the language to describe it yet. Um we, we we are we are we are entering the like the era of mm. like eminently forgettable cricket. This is where always on culture, always on digitization, right. is melding with what we're seeing in the digital world, and we're creating a, a complete loss of memory. And mm. I want to say, you think you might think, oh, is this bad? Mm. 
No. Yeah, you're pro at is it. Is it good? We're always just looking forward. Just looking forward, looking forward. Who cares? I went on the CA app to find out what happened in that series. It's very difficult to get to what happened beforehand. <laughs> it's always yeah. upcoming. It's always just what's ahead. What's next? What's next? What's next? And that's yeah. why, and we're going to talk about selections and stuff later. Mm-hmm. That's why it doesn't fucking matter that Kawadra averaged 50 the last couple no. of years in Australia. It's all about who last scored 100, who's going to score runs in the bat off. Recency bias is the only memory we give a fuck about yeah. here. And that's why Bryce Street should open the batting for Australia. <laughs> 100 for Queensland. And he's young and he's new. That's well, I mean, it's, it's a form of memory erasure, isn't it? <laughs> like, uh, it's almost like the movie um, uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless mm, Mind. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Where they're erasing those memories yeah. um, clinically. Um, they're not doing that to us, but they should be doing it to us because that's ultimately end end product. Mm. I don't remember a fucking thing about mm. what's happened exactly um, over the past twenty years. But, but maybe this is the masterstroke from CA and the ICC, etc. Like cricket is just sort of melding into one thing that happened. You just remember the odd picture here and there, and the rest doesn't really well, matter there's, anymore. There's a comforting familiarity yeah. about that. And it's kind of like when the 90s you were watching Hey Hey It's Saturday, for example, a yes. variety show. T20 is a variety show, isn't it? There's yes. pluck a duck, there's red faces, all the things that happen that you kind of feel good about. And, but you wake up on Sunday morning, you don't remember what Red Simon said. Yeah. You just let it wash over you. Yeah. That's what cricket is to me now. That's right. There was a gong. Someone said something racist. Harry Connick going to call it out. <laughs> yeah. You know? Some energetic voiceover work. That's from- right. From uh, whoever the mm. guy was, John Blackman, exactly. who, Howie mm. in cricket. <laughs> Rod Hogg tweeted and, you know, yeah. so be it. So are we Jim Carrey? We're Jim Carrey in Eternal <laughs> Sunshine <laughs> Spotless Mind. Yeah. We're the audience. Yeah, well, they played that, um, that that second game, which seemed like about four years ago in Canberra. Mm. Largely forgettable. I think Pakistan got about 150. And then Steve Smith just played one of the more enjoyable innings. I've seen Steve, Steve Smith play for mine. Really? So, yeah, because like a lot of people say... Um, uh, you know that like they don't enjoy watching Steve Smith bat in the Test match form, and that's that's fine. You know whatever, but like watching him execute those balls through the offside field with like complete precision, including the expansive cover drive, lofted cover drive, and the last ball of I think it was Muhammad. No, it was um, Muhammad Amir's over. Yeah, good memory. Just just like just so good. It was good to watch. But is that it was, a different fun. type of enjoyment that you get from Steve Smith as opposed to like a Darcy Short or a Chris Lynn? Yeah, that enjoyment is a different type of enjoyment. Mm. It's bolder. It's bigger. Mm-hmm. How would you describe the way that you enjoy Steve Smith? Um, the way I it's a cerebral cultured mm. enjoyment is, mm. is what I think. Yes, yes, yes. Because like when you're so watching it's a like two hat Michelin star restaurant, as yeah, well. so it's a degustation meal, <laughs> seven courses yeah. brought over the yeah. space of three hours. Yeah. You're not answering this question, by the way. No, 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 no. <laughs> this was a vehicle for you guys to tell me what you feel. It's an abstract yeah. metaphors. Yeah. yeah, but like because when you're watching the the power hitters, it's just like it's just. Meat and, meat and veg. Yeah, meat and veg. Meat and two veg. Mm. Stable base swing. S- exactly, yeah. Whereas, like, kind of Steve Smith is more like yeah, the game changers, vegan, mm. plant based diet. Yeah. Ah, very good. I like it. Okay. He's an elaborate restaurant that you go to with your wife. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I'm going to go here for three hours mm-hmm. and enjoy the experience. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some beautiful music playing. Maybe a violinist mm-hmm. comes over to the table nice. and you just let it, you know, happen. Yeah. Whereas Glenn Maxwell is just boys. That's mm. just, that's just a, it's a steakhouse. Mm. So, some, some of the, <laughs> Sizzler. Some of the meals will be challenging mm. when you watch Steve Smith bat you know some of them will actually challenge the palate yeah. and that's why you need to match that wine very nicely with finch at the other end someone hit a fucking six i i i need a beer with this yeah. but yeah i went to a restaurant in, in byron bay recently where there was actually an in-house forager yes. so someone actually goes out there and brings back strange things that they've found in the forest or in the gardens really? and puts it on the plate yes explains that to you i think that's what a steve smith innings is right yeah. real hunter gatherer it's foraged mm. Yeah. You, uh, there's a restaurant um, called Attica in Melbourne where mm. uh, the um, the maitre d 
takes you out after the main course or before the main course and asks you to pick from their garden. Yeah. And then they use what you've picked from the garden, like the herbs and stuff, to add to your dessert, etc. Yeah. I mean, and now I've always said Steve Smith's uh, Inside Out Cover Drive is exactly like that you've experience. You've always said that. You've always said that. Anyway, yeah, he batted well. Batted well. Then they played the game in Perth. Yeah. Uh, and that was the most forgettable. Um, they rolled Pakistan for 100, Australia 10 wicket win. The only story there probably is that, like, Dave Warner, he is back. I mean, we, we sort of posed the question last week, is he back or he's back? Mm. He's been out once this series. No one else has had a hit. Really enjoy watching Alex Carey go about his business this summer. <laughs> um, so let me, let me put it to you guys. Mm. With, like, the all of these matches are sort of alluding to the World Cup next year. We're trying to find out as much information as we can. I don't think we've learned anything from this series because, like, McDermott replaced Maxwell, he batted four, didn't look fantastic. So, like, is Australia's tactic to just bowl better than the opposition and yeah. then just hope the top three batsmen, Smith, Warner and Finch, yeah. just get the runs. The, the, That's this the plan, ser- This series did nothing to detract, I think, from, like, the theory that Australia is trying to rebuild the Death Star. in the, And, like, it was just a total reinforcement of all cricketing stereotypes. Not only did Australia win by, uh, you know, fast thunderbolts at the heads of... Um, ill-prepared subcontinental <laughs> batsman. <laughs> Why are you shivering? Why is your body contorting? Yeah. Um, so speaking of vibrato, but, um, yeah. you know, there was there was muscular hitting. There yeah. was Pakistani um, uh, no-name quicks who came mm. in and bowled 147Ks for, per hour. The less we know about them, the better, mm-hmm. frankly. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, th- th- it's like Australia is just like rebuilding the Titanic. You know, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, like 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 Clive Palmer. You know? But will she sail? We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> We're pouring fifty billion dollars into this Death Star. Exactly. So, are you foreseeing that another another sinking is on the horizon? Is that what you're saying? What? That all this 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 like this repackaging is actually just the same model, and it's been pushed out there again, and it will fail again. Well, it does feed into a couple of other things. You know, like like. Steve Smith came out earlier this week, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of, about captaincy, you know, because that's another big thing through the summer with sure. Steve Smith. Be the captain again. And he said, there's a really interesting column from Tim Lane about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, they, they asked Steve Smith, like, oh, do you think you'll, you'll still be able to bat as well as you can if you're captain? He goes, well, actually, my performance is better right. when I'm captain. And it's kind of like, that wasn't really the point, though, was it, Steve? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, your runs were never in question with captaincy, mm-hmm. were they? But I just wonder if a bit of PR groundwork yeah. is being laid and you're like, Steve, that was a very ill-advised comment. Like, like mm. have you have you learned? Like, mm. the, the captaincy is not about yeah. your runs on the field. It's about the other stuff. But that's why I'm saying, like... It's, no, but is in it Australia, another... runs as captain is the most important thing, much more important than mm. the actual strategy you, you oh, exemplify as a captain. Don't get me wrong. You know, r- the right people are in his corner. Heavy intellects like Mark Waugh and mm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm just saying, like, the, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Rodney Hogg made a really good comment. It, always. Right. Um on Twitter this week About around Russia? the T20 series where he, he did say, um, you know, like six games completed in international summer for CA summer. And, and unfortunately, the man, Alex Carey, who dominated the World Cup, just sat on his bum whilst we batted. Uh, good point, Rod. Right. And then Greg, <laughs> Greg, Greg Matthews responded, how did we go in those matches, Rodney? And then Hogg said, won very, very easily, Gregory. And, <laughs> and some uh, lowercase guy came and said, okay, boomer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is basically the champ. Of mm. the non-cricket world, isn't it? Okay, yeah, boom. exactly. Yeah. I just, I don't know, man. There's a really good cast ro- podcast in Rod Hogg, Greg Matthews, and maybe, I don't know, Kate McGregor or something, some Sky After oh Dark my uh, cricket shit. Oh, we should start that network. That's just, a good network. Just the whole summer I've been thinking about, you know, how can we get more runs out of Steve Smith? And I think Captain <laughs> might be the answer. We need more runs coming from four yeah. for the Australian cricket team. Rod also just said, by the way, give Greta a canoe to get to Spain. <laughs> <laughs> 
and then retweeted some criticism of a mural someone painted of us. So that's yeah. all good. Lots of good points. Lots of good points. Um, okay, so Pakistan are still number one. They're still they're still number one team in the world in in T twenties. Australia now second. Those rankings obviously mean everything to everyone. Um, I just kind of reminded like of what Russell Arnold said to us a couple of weeks ago on the show, and just like your scoring options for subcontinental players are so different because of the way the ball bounces in Australia. And just looking at how Pakistan batted in the last like three overs of the game, particularly in Perth, which as we know is a very bouncy wicket. Even the new Optus Stadium, I think it's a, I think Optus is a drop in, isn't it? Is that right, Pez? Zopters are dropping. Yeah, so dropping from the Wacker Nets. I like yeah. how you didn't yeah. ask me that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm searching for a fact, Pez. Yeah. <laughs> and like, but, but it's using it, it, it was using like organic, you know, Perth Wacker soil sort of thing. Right. So. Yeah. 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 Or I, whatever the AFL tells them to do. Basically. Sure. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. And Gina, Gina Reinhart was involved in the excavation of that soil. <laughs> That's all I know. Perfect. It's good soil there. Perfect. And and the way Pakistan couldn't lay bat on ball because the ball was just bouncing about 30 centimetres higher than what they were used to, yep. being able to score off the hip and stuff. It's mm. just like, th- this is just, the, it's kryptonite to them. In the same way that the swinging ball for Australian batsmen in the UK well, is... Well, cricket no is just about there. geology, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's just our soil and conditions are different to your soil and conditions. And then mm-hmm. you, you don't, you're not used to these conditions. And mm-hmm. that, that's why we'll beat you. Mm-hmm. That's why no one wins you know, away from home anymore. Mm. Let's, um, let's forget about the past, boys. Mm-hmm. And let's, done. Done it. let's talk about the future. And the future is Australia A. Australia A play against Pakistan yep. in a three-day night game starting this afternoon. This is being recorded Monday morning. Um, Dan Bredig, uh, but as you said before the show, Pez, Dan Bredig has called, it, called this the sixth test match of the summer. Mm. How Which easy. I noted that KO and CA then picked up upon and said pundits are calling it the sixth test of the summer. <laughs> it's good shit. So this match is being t- televised, is it? Yeah, and can I just say, I, I like, you know, we'll... We'll wrap people over the knuckles in a smug, barely researched way often. But mm. I think the return of like pixelated, poorly broadcast cricket is good. Yep. Like, and I think a lot of cricket fans, like hardcore cricket fans think the game's been taken away from them a lot. lot too, too much T20, not enough meat and veg cricket. Mm. But mm. through CA's digital stuff, through KO doing these three-day start like this these three day cricket yeah. with probably a single camera like, I'm heavily into that I, mm. you, know, I like you get it. a lot like you do get a lot don't mm. you but, but normally these tour matches are behind closed doors like mm. I remember just before the um the Ashes series Australia was playing in a warm up game or some shit I, I desperately <laughs> wanted to watch it but it was mm. really almost impossible like mm. that almost deprived you deliberately of that footage and you had mm. to ascertain through like Twitter updates yeah. or like grainy fucking camera phone footage yeah. that was probably banned mm. I, I think, you know, the fact that we now can be privy to this match, you know, obviously throws up a lot of new storylines for mm. us to deduct, doesn't it? Exactly. In, in a summer where we need narratives. Exactly. And there, and there was a lot of, uh, and just on this paywall thing, he goes, obviously, it's a big talking point that the, the first internationals of the summer were behind a paywall. You know, far be it from us to comment, you know, on that kind of stuff, allied to various broadcasters, etc. Mm-hmm. But I think it's masterstroke from CA uh, to put those fucking matches behind a wall <laughs> because uh, there was about 2,000 people there and um, mm. Australia won in about two minutes. Yeah, I've been looking at the, the cricket sort of in the Southern Hemisphere. I'm talking specifically the games mm. in Australia, then also the, the New Zealand-England mm. series. Um, well, more people listen to this podcast combined than every single one of those matches that have mm. ever um, mm. turned out in this summer so yeah. far. So yeah, no one really cares. It's in 4K yeah. though. Mm. In 4K. And 4K is coming for us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for this, for this podcast. Okay, so um, there's basically two batting spots, right, for the Australians to be picked um, for the first test in the Gabba. Um, I'll run you through the Australia A squad. It's Alex Carey captaining. You've got Marcus Harris, Joe Burns, Kawaja, 
Pekofsky, Travis Head, Bancroft, Nisa, Jai Richardson, um, Sean Abbott, and Riley Meredith is the team. So there's two spots because in the test side, you'd probably think, well, Warner, Smith, Marnus, Labuschagne, Wade, and Payne. They're, that's five of the top seven. So there's two spots as an opener right. and someone going about five. Yep. Yeah. So, so who have you got? Who have you got? Well, like as in who would I pick? Or, or who do I think they will pick? Who do you think they'll pick? I think that they will pick uh, Harris to open the batting uh, with Warner. I think they'll do that because uh, they might feel like Kawaja ha- hasn't delivered. You know, it's a bit of what have like, what have you done for me lately yeah. for Kawaja? Yeah. Uh, and I think I, I do feel sorry for Joe, Joe Burns deeply. Uh, he's a lovely right-handed batsman with a very Australian traditional technique he's got nice tanned forearms a fantastic mane of hair that can come out the back of a helmet he's from queensland he's got a real pete murray 2003 vibe he can yeah, probably yeah. play rugby union etc uh, i see the allure of pete but harris as as, as friend of the show had counts the other day he's you know wa background probably scored the most runs as an opener uh given the summer it's all about it's all like it's all about what this test team is building for though what is it what is cricket for this summer mm-hmm. there's no content there's no there's no, you know, there's, 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 there's no ashes. There's no India tour on the horizon. Mm. This is just cricket for cricket's sake. Mm. I think if it's just like, if we want to run demolition summer, stabilise, forget about Cape Town, let's just have runs and montages and good music, it's Kawaja. He averages 50. Like, there's, you know, like past success is predictor of future success. It should be Kawaja. It'll probably be Harris. But I think if you're going to go Harris, then... You know, you, then then who's the middle order batsman? And do you guys want to get to okay, your well, openers first? Well, I'll just, so. I'll just say that. So let me put it to you, Eddos. So Pez has gone for Harris there. Mm. Let's Not say, who I'd pick. Let's say, who they will pick. Let's say Kawaja and Joe Burns get hundreds yep. and Harris gets 70. <laughs> who gets picked? Yeah, weight it up. Ooh, that's a very good question. <laughs> I, I, like a, an opener 70 for the incumbent. Yeah. Uh, He's the incumbent, isn't he? I'm, I'm thinking of the three, he is the incumbent, isn't yeah. he? Yeah, the played... incumbent who averages averaged nine in England. Incumbency is yeah. so important in Australian society in general. Yes, and and you know everywhere, not just cricket. Mm-hmm. If you were there at first, you get it. Mm. So you have to really do a lot to displace the person who's ahead of you yep. in terms of the incumbent. So I don't know if a hundred beats seventy in that context. A big hundred, a daddy hundred. Mm-hmm. You know, if we're talking one hundred fifty plus two hundred, not then that might swing the pendulum a little bit. But mm. I think 70 for Harris would get him in Yep. Um, based on the current Versus climate. 200s, yeah. Yeah. I reckon you're probably right. I think Kawaja's really far behind the open. He hasn't, he hasn't started the Shield season, Shield season very well. But in terms of the middle order, I really i am hoping that Bukowski gets it go. Mm. Yeah, me too. Because we need a young person that we can pin all our hopes and dreams, dreams. on. Well, I, I agree with that. But I actually think that the Australian cricket selectors think that person is Travis Head, who's only right. in his early 20s. He's got captaincy material about him. He's vice-captain of this team. But does he excite you? No. The way that Pukowski excites you for what could be the future? Mm. No, no, he doesn't. I, I well, want... we need to be excited. What would excite... What's an exciting in selection? In terms of like heavyweight... Selectors always need to have one exciting selection yes. mm-hmm. to galvanise us That's as right. a nation-state. That's mm. why I think it needs to be... If, if there's two bat- batting spots... Mm. Go Kawaja for run demolition summer, hmm. probable runs at the top of the order, and he also opens the batting extremely well. And then balance that with Pekofsky, who out of head versus Pekofsky for excitement narrative heavyweight battles, hmm. Pekofsky is the one who's most exciting. Yeah. You know, he's newer, he's fresher, younger, yeah. probably better hair. Yeah. You know. Uh, so that's how I'd balance that up. I mean, we know what's going to happen, though, and I did I tweeted this yesterday. You know that 
the highest score after the top score will be 36 and the top score will be Cameron Bancroft, 82. <laughs> and it will be gritty and it will be done at night and people say, gee, he's mature and he yeah. also does yoga. And he'll get in yeah. and he's laying his mate. And that's okay because Cameron Bancroft's funny and I'd be fine for that. We've just listed like 86 storylines there. Mm. Like We're talking about how this is a contextless mm. summer. Mm. There's a lot of fucking rich narratives mm. to draw from there. Rich. Rich, grinding narratives. I've got to say, one of the narratives I'm taking away is one of the one of the hard luck stories of this summer. And Sean Marsh not being selected for oh, the Australia yeah. side. Yeah, you know, he's averaged, he averaged 102 yeah. um, in the Stewart Has season he so far. Been put out to pasture because of age. He, he's born in 1983. Well, he hasn't been put out yet. They haven't picked the side yet. He could, he could still <laughs> say yes, Marsh. He's, he's a lock. Yeah. He's, a, yeah. he's actually six spots locked. Older employees can still bring value to organisations. You know, <laughs> greater experience. You know, a, a different generational viewpoint. Mm. Old school work ethic. Mm. Okay. I don't know if he has any of those things, mm-hmm. but... Just saying they can do that. I'm just saying they can do that. So we should note as well that Nick Madison was selected. He's had a fantastic um, start to the Shield season so far. He's actually stepped out um, of the of the A squad due to mental health reasons, so we wish him all the best um, in his recovery, along with uh, Glenn Maxwell as well. So Cameron Green. Let's talk about the future. Cameron Green. Yep. Oh, let's talk about it. Okay. Came in at 7.53 for WA in the second inning. Scored 120. And saved the game from number nine. It was his first first class hundred. He's quite after the game. It was nice to give my dad a call at the end of the day and tell him how I went. I was pretty emotional speaking to dad. I've spent a lot of time with him down all the cricket nets when no one's watching. So three separate news outlets in Australia went with a form of headline that read, Echoes of Flintoff in Gifted Green. Mm. Why are we still looking for Flintoff 05 for fuck's sake? Well, well and, and this is like... <laughs> This came from Lang as well. So, like, it just goes to show, like, that just that ghost lingers so hard. It's the greatest compliment you can give to an opposing player. Like, we're, like we are still trying to find that golden side built around, mm. like, Flintoff Mark II. And Even in this era of T20 compartmentalization yep. of skill sets mm-hmm. where you can, you know, be selected based on your ability to bowl a dot ball, we still need that all-in-one, off-the-shelf, white-label product yes. who can fulfill all our hopes and dreams mm-hmm. as a single software as a solution. There's <laughs> <laughs> um. It's a promised land for Cameron Green, really. Like, mm-hmm. does it get much better than the dual glory of a nice call to dad mm. after oh. cricket? And yeah. comparisons to Flintoff. Yeah. I'm not sure that a career could commence any better than that. I mean, he has debuted before this, but I mean that's that's pretty amazing. Notwithstanding the fact that Australia's all rounder needs like is we're actually looking for a number six who can bat first and bowl second, mm. but still it just once you the, just go, Oh well he's tall, so he bowls first, so he's, so and he did well, so he's Flintoff. But also the visceral domination of, you know, bringing a team back from essentially the brink, they were seven for forty or mm. something and hitting hundred and nine mm. and being tall and blonde. I mean, mm. viscerally and mm. evocatively, you look at that and you're like, you are Andrew Flintoff and it's 2005 <laughs> again. And I feel safe. Mm. And you're, because you're now on our dream. side. You're a marketer's dream. <laughs> I, like, I like that he did mention the how, you know, when you're a young bloke or boy or girl, mm. you go down to the nets with your dad. And mm-hmm. it is such a relatable experience mm-hmm. um, because cricket is such a parent-child mm-hmm. sport, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like, it is extremely relatable, his you know story about going down to the nets with your mm-hmm. dad and him giving endless throwdowns mm. and he's a junior player of promise and then he gets he gets a little bit older and maybe his dad's mediums don't worry him as much mm. anymore and you know he sees him growing up and you know when the sun sets over the net and you know mm. it's like Mufasa with Simba in the Lion King says one day this kingdom will be yours mm. it's a beautiful bonding moment mm-hmm. between father and son that we can all relate to mm-hmm. is um is I, I feel like both your dads were quite good at cricket like they, they could like send down some okay deliveries to you when you were a child that'd be fair to say I think it'd be fair to say because my my mm. dad wasn't my dad hopelessly uncoordinated. 
You just oh. couldn't. So it, you know, frustrated. Couldn't him. land them. It couldn't land them. Couldn't land them. Did he? Uh, what did you? Did your dad have to bowl from the mark, or did you get him to come forward? No, no, and no. Throw down to like halfway. Yeah, or from halfway. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And there was like no pace in them, so yeah. you know, I find it very hard to work the ball at the age of yeah. four. Yeah. <laughs> and when did you? When did you? Because obviously this has stayed with you. Like when did you start to lament the idea that your dad was uncoordinated? I don't really remember, but um, you know, it's obviously something I think about most days. Mm. But yeah, it's just, it's just like there's almost no. I, I didn't have that shared experience with my dad because mm. it was just like, oh, don't worry about it, but. Do you? Um, Did you have an alpha uncle who could step in as a kind of surrogate no, father figure? No, not at all. No one in my Auntie. family is really very sporty. But like, right. I, I can think of another time when I was like, I was, I was being looked after by my grandparents, and my mm. my granddad took me down to a, a wicket, which was um, which was right near his house, and we, we went out for like a centre wicket, and he just like bowled the ball to me. Not a, not a two bad, person centre wicket. Two person centre wicket. Yeah, <laughs> I would have been like maybe six or seven. Yeah, with your granddad. Two person centre wicket with granddad. Yep. yep. <laughs> he rolls out a ball, and I've just absolutely bombed it. And mm. like made him like walk and go and get the ball. Mm. What's why they do that? Mm. Really mean. Yeah. All right, let's talk about New Zealand and England. They play the fifth game, the fifth game the other day. It's just it's straight to, straight to the fifth game. Yep. Um, England are chasing. It's happened exactly again. Jimmy Nation's behind the last over, the sixteen to win. Chris Jordan hits a four off the last ball. They send him to a super over. It couldn't right. happen again. But the whole over that Jimmy Nation's bowling, he's just everyone's laughing. It's just mm. like oh, it can't be happening again. But like it's it's. Almost poignant how irrelevant this cricket is that people are just like, <laughs> bit of banter, bit mm, of banter. Yeah. It doesn't really matter who wins yeah. this series. No one really cares. Uh, it's, just, it's just happening again. Mm. Yeah. Pez, what, you, you watched the game, didn't you? Yeah, I watched it. I watched it. Um, it's like a shit sequel, isn't it? It was, yeah, It's like yeah. Rocky. <laughs> Ivan Drago, Rocky yeah. Four comes out. Oh, no, what was it? The, the recent one, Creed, where he, mm. Creed is fighting against... It felt very like Anchorman 2. And like Zoolander 2 was just a money-making. Grease 2. Mm. Grease 2. Yeah. Just a money-making yeah, shit. Lost a lot of the box office. Still watch it though. Yeah. 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 Still watched it, obviously. I don't know. Yeah. I, I did watch it. But the first thought I had was like, and I know this is said before, but like Eden Park is a um, comically small ground. It was yeah. stupidly small. Yeah. Like they, they chased 147 in 11 overs. Yeah. And they were sort of struggling early England. Mm. They were like three for 39 mm. from, you know, from memory. Yeah. Mm. Uh, <laughs> It was a good moment uh, early before it all started getting very dramatic when uh, Johnny Bairstow, who'd played well until that point, just standing there slapping Ish Sodi over his head for six, just like a base, like baseball. Yeah. Uh, he nicked off behind and very, very audible over the sound mic was yeah. someone just go, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> we started getting all these messages from people going, yeah. oh, uh, Tom Seifert is the keeper. Yeah. I was telling Bairstow to fuck off. Or, yeah. or Jimmy Neesham is like, that was Bairstow that was Bairstow and it was great because you could see Nisham yeah laughing and Bairstow sent himself off and I just want to say to Danny Rubin uh, the ECB media manager (laughs) we are coming again uh, for Johnny We have a hundredth show yeah. coming up. Yeah, the hundredth uh, show in, coming in, up in a couple of weeks, and we would like Johnny to be part mm-hmm. of it. And we're not, we don't, we're not in the practice of publicly, Call like start, starting public campaigns for stuff. But here we um, are, and here we are, and and it, look, it, it's funny either way because we'll get Alfred, um, which is which has already happened six or seven times from the ACB. But uh, we would like Johnny to come on the show for the hundredth show because uh, we love Johnny Besto. Okay, so England take that series three two. In the fourth game, uh, Dawid Milan scored a hundred, and also uh, Matt Parkinson, who actually played um, he played great cricket a couple of seasons ago. He's actually bowling with Mason Crane at the same club at Gordon, okay. it's a mile club. The um, Highlanders, I guess, there's a British thing there, yeah. Scottish, I think. A bit yeah. of actual great yeah. cricket news in the great cricket podcast. Yeah, it's weird. Don't like it. So there's a story came out the other day that the fourth umpire in the third T20. His name's Garth Stewart. He's 51. He's previously worked as a porn star in both print and film. Print, print, yeah. print. Hmm. <laughs> So yeah, I, I, so I guess I guess when you used to sort of print them out 20, 30 years ago, friends did that. I didn't do it, but yeah, yeah. no, no magazines. 
So, okay, well, let's. I guess we'll try and unpack this. <laughs> I mean, what's going on with what's going on with umpires? Like, I, I thought they were just meant to be like gentle granddads or blokes that work in that's, IT. That's what I'm thinking, Dave. Yeah, because like you just, I always think about like what do umpires do in the winter, like presumably mm. just driving Ubers or something. Yeah, but like for for like an umpire yeah. to make it to the professional realm. Yeah, and he's previously worked in the adult film industry. That, yeah. That's quite surprising. Change of pace, but. I guess it's a change. International of umpires are getting increasingly alpha, yeah. though, aren't they? I and mean, Vera. Like, and Vera. I mean, there's a lot of ex-players across codes mm-hmm. that are moving into being officials, on-field officials. You've mm-hmm. seen in the rugby league, the, the referees are getting bigger, and the chests are bigger, and their salads are better. Mm-hmm. That, that's something that's happened, along with professional sport. The umpires are mm-hmm. also trying to mm-hmm. work on their own physics oh. or, mm-hmm. and, and the like. Are you thinking like a Joel Wilson? Mm-hmm. Very virile man. I was just thinking like the, the other day. Um, I happened to go down to the North Sydney like cricket clubs like Old Boys Day last Sunday. They played a T Twenty double header, mm. and uh, walked in, and uh, they lost both games. Commiserations. And at one point, just at the end of the game, a huge umpire just walked like there was there was a rain mm. delay. Walked past the like the North's players who were sitting in the stands, and one of them like back slapped the state player like, yeah. for the North side. Because uh, and I, I was like, oh, I don't recognise that face. Really beautiful looking man. And I said to the people, I said, who's that guy? He goes, oh, Mitchell Clayton. Mitch Clayton. I'm like, Mitch Clayton's umpiring. He's, he's in a full umpiring garb for a first grade match. I'm like, Mitch Clayton. And for the listeners out there, Mitch Clayton is, is literally a, a current county cricketer with Sussex, like playing under uh, Jason Gillespie. He's like a storied first grade career and also a storied first class career. Very fast. Like, used to be very fast bowler, fast medium now. But he's literally a current professional player who's decided after the English summer to come back an umpire grade cricket. Yeah. <laughs> so he's and like, he look, I mean, and, and with respect to Mitchell, looks like a porn star. Still. Right, really? Like, like, yeah, good looking face. Like, probably a bit stockier than he used to be, but sure. still pretty, like, good, good thick, limbs, good thick through yeah, the trunk. Just good facilities around the entire rig. Good facilities. You know? And good facilities. it was actually quite, not only is it strange to see a county player umpiring, current mm-hmm. county player, but he had, like, wonderful white teeth and tanned face. And, and had a really good relationship with the players, and, and the good, players seem to be appreciating. He, he did this. well. I mean, this is a current county player. The state players probably looking up to the county guy, yeah. which is very rare for state players to show any respect to umpires uh, in a, any sort of authentic yeah. way. It would be quite off-putting when you take a wicket and then you lob the ball to the umpire gently, and he just catches it one hand easily, yeah. as opposed to yeah. you know, or he fumbling. just ejaculates on it. <laughs> just on cue, no preparation. <laughs> Oh, I did not see that coming. Mm. Um, Sponsor us. All right, Graeme Smith is in line to be the first director of cricket uh, for um, the South African Cricket Board, um, a position that's been created in the aftermath of the 2019 World Cup exit was obviously disastrous for South Africa. So this follows the same model that England have where Andrew Strauss has done it previously, you know, Ashley Giles, and they oversee all levels of pro cricket um, in the country. Obviously, um, you know, Pat Howard had a very similar role. Pat Howard now looking after uh, what happened to the Wallabies uh, yeah. in the World Cup. I mean, I just love this, like, like Pat Howard, okay, he's from rugby, so I'll probably give him a break. Also, a lot of people are like, I mean, you know, like, like, don't, don't, like, kick him, he's down, he's gone from cricket, right? Mm-hmm. And he's gone back to rugby, he's from rugby. Mm-hmm. A lot of people said he's a pretty decent bloke anyway, but he's out of here. I just, what I love is, like, is just this review market. Mm. I just love the fucking market for reviews after anything goes wrong in professional sport. There's so many of them. Mm. Like cricket had the Argus review, and then yeah. the, they had the which is when Pat crisis. Howard actually came in off right. the back of the Argus. Off the back review. of mm-hmm. so he, you're, he was born from a review, mm. and then he oversaw two reviews: the Culture review, mm. which got rid of him and mm. throw him onto another review. But that Culture review had the Longstaff review, and then it had another yeah. review on top of that from players. 
Uh, and now he's onto the Wallabies review. Like, I just think we've got to get into this market massively. Well, there's so many reviews going on outside of sport as well. Mm. You've got the, you know, there's like 16 royal commissions going mm. on consecutively. Right. And there's obviously Labor is now looking at their result in the recent mm. federal election, mm. doing a review into that. So mm. we're just fucking navel gazing, aren't mm. we? We don't know what's going on. I don't know. It's sort of like slick PowerPoint, strong management speak, get some AFL consultants in. It's just a good grift, I think. Pat Howard, I mean, he got. He became a meme, didn't he? Like towards the end of mm. his, he now he's a meme. Like, yeah, and it's, once you are a meme, it's very hard to unmemify yourself. Mm. <laughs> well, you, you must go back into a um, an enclosed bubble where no one else knows what else is going on around it. Yeah. And rugby union is the best example of that. Well, I mean, like Shane Watson, for example, you know, great cricketer, and the rest of it. But mm. <laughs> but he became an absolute meme towards the end of his career. Mm. The water review gags. Mm. I saw a few weeks ago his Insta got hacked. Yeah, and the. You just scroll through the comments of that. It's just, you want to review that, mate? You know, you're going to review that? Yeah, it's like 68,000 blokes are saying you're going to review that. It's just a photo of a porn star or something or a naked woman. Might want to review that, mate. Anyone want to pick this up? Well, I'll tell you who doesn't review. Joel Wilson. And we thank the Joel Wilson Institute as suggested by Tim Breslin. All right, Adam Zampa's on the show. And after that, hashtag ICGC. <laughs> that is very good. The swing works, the Oracle again. Quite brilliant from Simon Jones. What a great piece of reverse swing. He got sick for 53 in the first innings. And he did it with reverse swing, getting it to go both ways. This one has come back sharply. Well outside off some there, but not there. That's some piece of bowling, I can tell you. It's 263%. We're just going to take a moment in today's show to talk to you about Blinkist. Blinkist is an app that allows you to get the key ideas from best-selling non-fiction books from experts in the form of bite-sized text and audio. You get all the key ideas from these books in 15 minutes or less in text or audio. Uh, from award-winning titles by experts who have conferred with the author to make sure everything is spot on. It's an absolute time saver. You can consume it anywhere you want, on the go. The topics in the library include sex and relationships, religion, science, parenting, motivation, inspiration, a whole bunch more. There's already 3,000 books in there, yet 40 new titles added every single month. There's already 12 million people worldwide who are using Blinkist. You can just find that on the App Store or, or wherever else you get your apps. And Blinkist have an exclusive deal for you guys and girls out there for listening to the Grey Cricketer podcast. If you go to Blinkist.com forward slash cricket, you start a seven-day free trial. Uh, so, so go and check it out. That's Blinkist.com forward slash cricket or go and find it in the App Store. And that's thanks to Blinkist. Look, I'm not going to do the normal intro with the stats and the numbers and stuff. This guy's been on the show beforehand. We know him as Australia's premier short-form spinner. Um, on his Instagram, though, he describes himself as a flat-earther, vegan influenza. Um, he refers to his darling hat rat uh, with a sideways heart, uh, which means love friendship, and a 35 millimeter camera and lots of pictures of uh, Shoreditch. I'm, of course, talk- talking about uh, Adam Zorba Zampa. Uh, Zorba, welcome back to The Great Cricketer. Thanks, man. Didn't know if I was going to get the, the recall, but I'm, I'm glad you guys have got me back on. Um, can you just, uh, well, I mean, it was one of the most requested guests, actually, but um, can, can you just tell us where you are at the moment, Adam? I am currently, I've just walked off the pitch um, two days after landing from Perth, um, just giving back to to, um, to grade cricket. I'm playing like a second 11 game with the Darren Lehman Academy, and I've just walked off the field now so hmm. sitting at Karen Rolton over watching the 
Darren Lehman Academy boys warm up to bat. Just just on that, um, like uh, you, you have just completed a clean sweep of like an international T20 series where you played a pivotal role and surrounded by some of the game's greats, uh, and you're obviously you know very highly regarded in your own right. What's it like just going from that context to a second eleven game? Um, is is cricket really just the same and the same blokes talking about the same stuff? Oh, we're all we're all the diff- like we're all the same character, but yeah, just at at different levels. Like I'm. Um, you can um, all these Darren Lehman Academy boys there, mostly uh, English um, club cricketers coming over to, to Adelaide to play some club cricket and, and train for the summer. So they're pretty typical English blokes, like not a word said in the field, um, <laughs> just like arguing with each other, throwing each other. It's pretty, it's pretty much just like being at international cricket again. <laughs> <laughs> Are you um are you outdoors? I thought I heard a, a rush of wind there. Are you kind of is there is there a change room or are you kind of in the change room and there's a there's ten blokes huddled around I'm, you, eager, you know, listening. I'm out. I'm outside the change room at the moment. Um, spikes yeah, just, on. I thought I thought I heard some spikes on the concrete there. There is some spikes around. I'm actually just um, sitting down with Hat Rat at the moment. Um, sideways love heart. Ah, <laughs> oh, nice. Uh, yeah. She, she knew that there would be absolutely no vegan options here for me today, so mm-hmm. she brought me some, some salad. Oh, that's nice. Not to be confused with your salad, which we'll talk about later. Um, yeah, I, I, I think one of the questions a lot of people want asked, Zorba, is um, based on your last interview with us where you said quite explicitly, maybe facetiously, um, I hate grade cricket. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, it was Socrates who said, from the deepest desires often comes the deadliest hate. Um, so presumably you have some very big grade cricket goals this year and do you still check Sutherland's uh, cricket scores? I'm actually I'm past that now as well. That's how much I dislike it. <laughs> um, if Watto's playing, then I might check their scores. But other than that, now, yeah, I'm, I'm, um, I think the last time I did the podcast, I'd said that I might, um, you know, every time I play a grade grammar, I'm trying to see who's got the buy. And try and get a clearance for that weekend to, to the team who has the buy. And it's, it's, I think there's a couple of weekends coming up soon where I might have to play great cricket. So I think it's going to be the same, same theory for me. Um, we'll just skip straight ahead to the international stuff, Zorbs. And, uh, you know, we'll talk about uh, Sri Lanka and Pakistan. And I want to know at what point you guys realised that they weren't very good. <laughs> Quite early uh, at the toss? Um, well, I don't. You can't really comment on that because I know it's a, it's a pretty good feeling at the moment. Obviously, after a clean sweep and mm. you know winning does make the, the change room a lot better. But I think it's um, I think two years ago Sri Lanka came to Australia and we fielded probably our A team because there was a test tour at the time and they dusted us in Australia. And then I think if we go back 12 months, the, the um, we played Pakistan in in Dubai and Abu Dhabi and they dusted us 3-0 there as well so um, the conditions do play a big part obviously we our strength is playing on our own wickets and our weakness in the past has been a little bit um, overseas so I don't want to say too much but um, yeah we we were pretty dominant in in the last two series We'll come back to some serious stuff but I I do want to get your thoughts on a recent article with Men's Health um, which featured Greg Norman where he likened the perfect golf shot to having an orgasm, describing the sensation as an absolute rush. Uh, the rotation of your body, the timing, the feel, the sound, the end result, the visual side of the ball, 
taking off from the club face. I can keep going. It's just such a central feeling, he said, end quotes. Yeah. Is there an equivalent feeling in cricket? Like when, for example, when you hit that ramp shot um, a few weeks ago off Michael Nisa? Oh, exactly, yeah. Or is Greg Norman just in some fucking weird time. areas? Oh, he's in weird areas, yeah, definitely. I think he always has been from what I can see. But, but that um, ramp shot. Yeah, the, the perfectly executed ramp shot is the best feeling in cricket by far. Especially when you don't practice it ever. You've never played one in your life. And the only one before that that you ever played went straight to a short 45 to, to like try and visualise it happening and then hit it for six. It's, yeah, I can probably see where Shark's coming from there. Um, Zabs, where, whereabouts is this game being played? Are you in a prison? <laughs> Sounds like there's a drug deal Basically. going on in the car park, mate. <laughs> Basically, it's in Adelaide, so yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's just a... <laughs> I, I was keen, uh, since you've had... A couple of good series uh, for Australia that we've just spoken about there, and we've watched your league's been bowling and enjoyed it. And, and we know that you know bowling league spin might appear in the next edition of the DSM. But can, can you tell us about, about the wild ride of league spin bowling, Zorba? Like, what does it mean to belong to the brotherhood of leg spin? Like, who is welcome? Who isn't? What are the terms of engagement? You know, in this brotherhood. Um. Well, I could I could probably go back maybe seven or eight years to, to when I was welcomed into the Brotherhood. Mm. Um, I don't know. He's probably uh, one of the great cricketer favourites, but if you um, have ever heard any stories about Greg Matthews, they're probably um, pretty rare. And I don't know if I can talk about this on a podcast or, or on radio, but he, he tried to welcome me into the Brotherhood with, with open arms. Um <laughs> No, so I mean, how, was he I mean, wearing clothes yeah. at the time when he did that? <laughs> oh, he! I asked. I had to ask him to put him back on. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's obviously a euphemism for him to welcome you with open arms. Um, was there any specific way yeah. he, he welcomed you, or, or or an initiation of sorts that you, you could share with the listeners? Um, I think it was just a a random like visit into the into the chain rooms after. Hmm. Um, it was after probably my first season. Yeah, he just—he's uh, actually done it quite a few times to, to spinners. He just tries to um, to come into the change rooms after the games and, and surprise them with a cheeky little visit. Zaps, mm-hmm. uh, um, I got a text I message. I can't go further. In, I can't go further into it. This is because yeah, I mean the imagination is running wild about what a cheeky little visit means. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Zaps, um, I got a text message this morning from um, a couple of my friends in the UK who I used to play cricket with, and uh, they told me that in 2015 you were playing for East Mosley against my old club, Farnham. Um, You were given out after kicking one uh, to second slip before calling out to the umpire when you're walking off the field. You ruined the game and then throwing your bat in the bin. First of all, can you confirm this story? And second of all, thoughts? Um, I think, yeah, four, four years on, I probably... Probably don't know if I'd have that same reaction. The bin, the bat would definitely go in the bin, but I'd probably just. Mm. Well, there's no bins in cricket fields anymore because of doing me a favour. The only thing that I, I don't believe about that story is that I got hit in front of the stumps because I'm usually standing a long way towards where square leg. <laughs> there's absolutely no way I'm getting them behind a meeting against Farnham Creek Club. <laughs> uh, Zamps, 
It's been described as the greatest existential threat to our generation and policymakers are dragging their heels when it comes to creating meaningful change that could help prevent a devastatingly bleak future for generations. So now that we know all we now that we know all this, should I say, why did you decide to play in the hundred tournament? <laughs> are you a traditional? Uh, are you boys traditional? Well, I'm just concerned about future think, generations. I, I, well, I'm concerned about. Well, the way that I see it is that T20 cricket's actually way too long now. Yep. So. I agree. If you're, yeah, like 20 overs is just. I think after about 10, it starts to drag on. So mm. if you can get an innings done within <laughs> 60, 60 minutes and then have a five-minute changeover and then you're back out there and back on the train back to Shoreditch straight away, then you then you're laughing. Mm. You get paid the same as well. <laughs> Shoreditch was cool about three years ago, wasn't it? Mm. <laughs> What's that? Nothing. No. Um, <laughs> just hipster wars. Um uh, Zorba, you know, speaking of hipster stuff, like you're, you're a solid uh, meme artist in your own right, you know, on Instagram, um, and your Instagram reveals a number of references or homages to one Stuart McGill. Um, can you just give <laughs> yep. us an insight into what SCG McGill means to you and the esteem in which you hold the man? I've actually, um, yeah, same as same as when I was uh, talking about Greg Matthews, he was one of the ones that welcomed me into the to the brotherhood. He, um, I did quite a bit of work with McGilla. Um, when I when I was about 20, 21 years old, and then um, I um, sent him a text without really, um, you know, I obviously had spent a bit of time with him. And I probably looked at him as a bit of a mentor and and a friend, and I sent him a text saying, "Hey, mate, I'm moving to South Australia," and then he sent me a text back saying, "No, nah, I, can't, I can't really." Can't really say it on on the radio either, but it was um, yeah, he wasn't happy with me. So, but to be fair, McGill has been a big um, on a serious note, he's been a big fan of mine even since then. So, um, I do like McGill. I like, I just think he's a bit of a um, a bit of a, I don't know what do you call it, a just an icon. Mm. Hard to play behind his old career. Mm. Um. I was actually up in Byron a few weeks ago, and I'm pretty sure I spotted you enjoying brunch at Bayleaf. What's a perfect day in Byron for you? Perfect day in Byron Bay. Um, Harrat, what do you reckon? Perfect day in Byron Bay. <laughs> yeah. Got a lighthouse walk. At sunset? Yeah. Definitely lighthouse walk, and then we go to Bayleaf because they have a great coffee. Mm. Um and then Water Goes Beach. Mm. Water Goes is, Beach, uh, yeah. It's probably the best. Water Goes Beach is the best beach. Afternoon at uh, Rays. Rays on Water Goes, mm. which is a little boutique hotel. And they have, yeah, stone and wood. Um, and then if you have time, then you go over to the uh, industrial estate and do some vintage shopping. And then mm. over night time, where do we go for dinner in Byron? Oh no! You've been harvesting. Do you want to put hat right on? <laughs> no, we play. We um we go and play barefoot bowls at the bowling club and nice. have a stone and wood. Beautiful. Nice. Stream shield That's on your phone. Day. Mm. This cast is sponsored yeah. by Byron Bay Tourism. Just just finally, Zorba, we love chatting to you because you know I I feel like there's just been a general embrace of like things that are alternate in Australian cricket. A bit of a woke revolution. You know, there's more veganism. There's more rare units. 
you know, like as yep. someone on the inside of Australian cricket, can you give us an insight into whether it's true and like rare units are on the rise in Australian cricket, especially in the professional ranks? Um, professional ranks, yeah. Well, I sit here right now and I look out at the, the Darren Lehman Academy. Well, they're walking back out there now, playing against the Redbacks second eleven. And I can see Cam Valente. Um, he plays a few one days and a little bit of shield cricket for South Australia. He's one of those rare units on the rise. But, um, yeah, there's, it's still pretty scarce, I guess. I, I don't know. I feel like um, there's a lot of people just trying to tick the boxes and be pretty normal and just be, be who they think's meant to be, you know, a cricketer. But, um, yeah, I still think the rare units are quite scarce, mate. Mm. Okay, so there's a bit... There's a few more out there, a few more... Yeah, a few more mullets or, I don't know, just a, just a bit more. We just need a bit more. Do, do, do you have a message maybe for any aspiring cricketers out there around embracing their rare unitism? You know, you play for Australia, you're prepared to be yourself, not necessarily tick the boxes, go to the beat of your own drummer. What would you say to aspiring cricketers out there who, who maybe want to be rare units? I do have a message, yeah. I just want them to think about me before they go to bed and have their... their I guess me just whispering in their ear saying, get rarer. <laughs> get rarer. Don't get complacent. Like them, yeah, don't get complacent, get rarer. On that note, uh, Zorba, it's always a pleasure having you on the Great Cricketer Podcast. Good get luck rarer, in your second 11 game against Darren Lehman's Academy. Uh, and just, I guess, Thanks, for everyone man. out there, stay rare. Cheers, mate. Get rarer. He's one of Yorkshire's favourite sons. Wikipedia says his name is Brez Big Time or Brezzy Lad. It's Tim Bresnan. Welcome to the Grade Cricketer. Oh, we need therapy, Brez. We, we, we need a team of doctors to work with us, each of us, each individual. And because yeah. we've had psychological trauma inflicted right. upon us. I mean, is this, if you were us, how would you be feeling? I think, I think what I'd do is, um, as a matter of urgency, I'd set up uh, a care centre. Uh, for I'd, I'd call it the Joel Wilson Institute. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the Ordinary Rig 11th campaign is done. We were calling them Great Australian Rigs. Hmm. Uh, we have the submissions compiled. We are going to be announcing what those rigs are. There was a lot of great ones in the last week or so as well. A lot of people said that Marcus North had a wonderful face. People generally liked Mitchell Stark and... Uh, Adam Gilchrist's length and angularity. Marcus so, North has the kindest eyes yeah. that I've ever Someone seen. Someone suggested Jordan Silk's neck. Yes. That's pretty good. Correct. So all of these may well make it into the Great Australian Rig Castle Smugglers that we'll be releasing in uh, very normal stuff. What we want to talk about is the next campaign for Budgie Smuggler, which is what they're calling My Smuggling Remake. Uh, so what we're asking people to do is to submit uh, in their Budgie Smugglers, wearing your Budgie Smugglers, Famous, let's say, internet moments, right. or any moment, really, that should be remade. Mm -hmm. So, for example, we've got people standing there, smugglers, uh, impersonating Kim Kardashian, throwing that champagne onto her uh, glute region, let's mm -hmm. say, mm -hmm. for example. Mm -hmm. um, do you guys have any other examples of moments that should be remade with people wearing their smugglers? Uh, one, one came top of my head was like Mark Latham's handshake with John Howard. Yep. Just right. want to see that just in grill. Mm. Quite hard to find that on the internet, but there is a snip mm. on YouTube. You can find that. Mm. Just really, really getting up in his grill. Mm. Just in in smugglers. Old, in smugglers in his mm. old man's grill. Mm. Yeah. 
this is probably pre-internet, but I reckon just Bradman. Um, when Bradman was practicing his batting with a golf ball and a stump mm. oh, against, yeah. you know, a fucking water tank stand or whatever it was, I'd like to see someone recreate that. It might mm. be one of those moving iPhone live photos that you have to take on the, oh, the yeah. new iPhone, just so yeah. you can get the kind of gr- grainy kind of yeah. movement, maybe in sepia yeah. form. Yeah, good call. Mm. Is that... Does that qualify? Yeah, no, that, that would absolutely that would qualify. I'm thinking as well, as uh, you'd have to do Michael Bevan's fall off the last ball against West Indies, the SCG, mm. and just the speed at which he got his helmet off before he completed the run to celebrate mm. arms aloft. Mm. Speaking of arms aloft, maybe like the one where Shane Watson was flexing on the Lord's balcony. True. You'd have to go and to do... A, yeah, you, so you'd have to go on a tour of Lords. you have to get a mate <laughs> on the other side of the oval with like a long lens camera taking a photo of you flexing like Shane Watson. Doable. Yep. Very doable. Very doable. Yeah. Okay, very good. Okay, so so the way you participate in the My Smuggling Remake competition is just simply get online, take that picture in your smugglers and hashtag it My Smuggling Remake. Uh, just another note as well, if you want to put in for some custom budgie smugglers for your club and get that uh, discount, then uh, I think that's orders over 20. Is that right? It's either 11 or 20. Um, that has to be done by November 19. We're recording this on November 11, November 19. So it's done in time for Christmas. Uh, so if you want to get that going get going get going budgiesmuggler.com.au all right it's hashtag ask tjc one that will speak to zamps as ever zorba if you will close personal friend all right um we've got a couple of live shows coming up lads we're in brisbane next thursday after the night of the first test match we're going to be at the princess theater uh night of the first test match we're going to be there with jason gillespie the three of us on stage you looking forward to that very much so dave absolutely he was wonderful in London. He was funny. He was a wonderful guest star London show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's going to be good. That's going to be a good night out that Thursday mm. night, rolling to probably a little bit late to work on Friday. Yeah. The following week, we're in Adelaide at the Rhino Room. Pez, that's just you and I. We're just doing that show. We're there, however, with Sean Tate, mm. which is also a wonderful get. We did seek Ryan Rhino Harris's yes. involvement as well, just purely for the syncricity yeah. with the name of the room. Yeah. Um, to go along with Sean. But that's we do right. have the wild thing. That's right. That's going to be good. Mm. That's going to be good. That's that's the Saturday of the Adelaide Test match. That's a day. That's a lunchtime kickoff. That is going to be, as I've said many times before, the biggest day of your life. Get around it. Greatcricketer.club for all your ticketing needs. Obviously, the show's in Melbourne and Sydney as well, but uh, Brisbane, Adelaide on the horizon. Pez, we've also got the first episode of our Channel 7 show coming up this Friday. It's there's, a big week. There's a lot of conjecture. Big know, through, week. A lot of conjecture through the winter over whether... Channel 7 would indeed re-sign us uh, mm. after, or whether we would even go with them, you know, um, after the wild success of our Twitter show with them last year that competed uh, favourably with Totally Wild uh, <laughs> on Channel 10. And it, it, it transpires that, yes, we, we will be going around again with Channel 7. Mm. Just to just you two guys, though, I won't be involved in it. Part of the deal with Seven was that you had to get rid of some of the baggage. <laughs> had to get rid. So I've yeah. actually been removed from the contract. So it will just be you two guys. So have fun. <laughs> had to get rid, yeah. It's weird how like Channel 7 have done a lot of promos of like celebrating who's in their, who's in their lineup this year. You obviously Copes. Yeah. You know, Bruce. Mm. Um, it was great to actually see that just take place on social media. Yeah. A couple of pictures from Melbourne, yeah, Wilson around yeah, the corner yeah. going, oh, uh, yeah. uh, hey, I didn't, find, didn't learn about that. Yeah. We were in the break room yeah. at seven there. Mm. Anyway, so that's this Friday. Um, but you can obviously check out our social media um, as ever because we'll obviously just be plugging that so you can find it through there. There may there may be some um, favourable broadcasting times for that as well. We're not sure yet, but it may be taking place uh, on a like a normal TV at some point too. Mm. You might be able to watch it into the Big Bash, both WBBL and BBL. All right. 
Uh, hashtag AskTGC, ready to go? Yeah, okay. Jack Dobo, hi AskTGC. I recently scored my maiden grade century after a full 16 seasons of faking it as a batsman in second grade and bowling mostly junk time leg spin that everyone in my club hated. It came a few weeks after finding out I'm going to be a dad early next year. Is it mere luck or is there something in this? Is it A, that I'm batting on borrowed time with the impending arrival and my wife would love me infinitely more if I never played again post-birth? Or B, more the fact that second grade these days is more like fourths and the standard of Australian grade cricket is atrocious like all the old life members back at the club sponsor say each Saturday night and I'm just the same hack I've always been regards Dobbo. Thanks, Dobbo. Well, well, of course, um, it's a pro- I mean, and Dave knows this, it's a proven social phenomenon that players find new perspective after a child arrives. You know, you realise that sport doesn't really matter. Paradoxically, that calmness translates to performance. However, this is a bit different. Uh, this is the imminent arrival of a child, and Dobbo is suggesting that subconsciously he's stockpiling great performances because he may soon have to quit, which I find intriguing, frankly. Is that like when people say, oh, stock up on sleep before the baby comes? Yeah. As if you can actually <laughs> yeah. stockpile yeah. I'm glad I did back then too. Yeah. Because I, uh, feel really well feel rested better. now, yeah. 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 I find I find this, this uh, logic intriguing because many cricketers have, have told themselves this is going to be their last season uh-huh. before. A lot, a, lot of, a lot of cricketers haven't had children or don't mm. have an imminent child coming, but a lot of them have said, oh no, this is my last season, much like Dobo is saying. Um, I've never seen that translate to <laughs> superior performance. In fact, mm. I see a marked decline in performance, um, and then it's usually met with the seven stages of grieving, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm, you yep. start to convince yourself that actually next season you're going to eclipse all your records and get better, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. Uh, and um, uh, yeah, it, it, that that never happens. In fact, you have a declining body and eyesight, increased pressure at work and home, not changing your game preparation one iota. So, in conclusion, I say it's probably luck and uh, the fact that second grade is fucking fourth grade. Well, I definitely yeah. think that his wife will infinitely love him more if he does resign from cricket. Yeah, that I agree with because. You're not an international cricketer. You derive no income from cricket. Mm-hmm. And the first year of being a parent is really all just about performing chores. So mm. you do need to be around the house. You'll mm. be buying all the shopping. You'll be doing the dishes, hanging mm. out the washing. You'll be performing back massages on cue, getting up in the middle of the night to help out with feeding. Mm. You can't do that and then go play Saturday and Sunday at fucking 50Ks west of the airport, out at Raby or wherever it is. And not, expect to be you know, come home and be you know respected as a husband and father. Not not in 2019, you can't. I feel you like know, Not of- with the... the, the, the Demolishing of the nuclear family, and rightly so. I feel like a lot of expectant fathers might have listened to to Dave's uh, message there and think, mm. oh, "I might actually just keep playing." Mm. It doesn't sound that. Mm. Well, divorce me. rate is now over fifty percent, I think, mm. in Australia. Makes sense. Mm. And Makes then, sense. and then, what about the remaining couples who are together? How happy are they in those relationships? <laughs> but hit that one perfect cover drive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. Guys who still play cricket with a literal newborn. And not setup. just that, but like the guys that <laughs> some Dead people are like able that, that to juggle movement, that. Yeah, good yeah. setup. Yeah. Yeah. Back and across. Yeah. Is that what you mean? Yep. Yep. <laughs> okay. Uh, Ryan Osborne writes in, Hello, various champs. I have a query. My long-time mate and I are playing in a second 11 match against each other tomorrow and live in the same suburb. What is the etiquette on carpooling to the game? Is that a no-no? I just want to hear from the fellas that know it all. Cheers. This match has obviously been played. Yeah, I can't remember when this was sent in. Might have been mm. uh, a few weeks ago. But um, well, the fact that you are friends with an opposition player obviously affords you social capital within your own team environment in the sense that you can give intel on the opposition, mm-hmm. and particularly when you're 
you know, in mid-wicket huddle after, a, you know, a wicket has taken place, you can say, oh, this bloke does this, or, you know, I actually mm. know this. He's actually a really good bloke, this guy mm. that's coming in. Yeah. So you can, you, intel is important, but actually turning up to the ground with this opposition player, mm. would you advise that? I haven't seen it before, but I think I quite like it. The only thing I would advise against is, is if these two guys um, are like batters and bowlers, so they, they could actually compete against each other. Right. But right. as we know, cricket is an individual game. Masquerading is a team sport. Yes. So like, if they're two batsmen, well, their paths will never cross mm. apart from you know, one so guy mid, mid off. So it doesn't matter. Really, right. really doesn't matter. You probably take one kit. You could share a well, box. Well, certainly in terms of to. like offsetting carbon emissions, I think sharing yep. well, any kind point. of that's yep. a good ride to a yep. cricket ground, mm. I would strongly recommend that. Mm. What does Greta say? Mm. Uh, hog. If this is second eleven, like second eleven, as they say, second exile, just weird way of writing it. If that's if this is great, I think it's disgusting. Mm. I, oh, not having I think it's absolutely disgusting. I can't think of anything that would make me feel more sick. Anything. Why? If you're more sick, <laughs> is that then, big, is I'll, that... do, I'll explain. Okay. Then seeing a teammate get out of their car yeah. mm. in the morning, mm-hmm. uh, like of a game, and mm-hmm. I'm in some fucking suburban outpost, mm-hmm. and they, they get out of the car yahooing and laughing with a member of the opposition side clutching McDonald's bags and their thick shape. Oh, so they've also gone them. to McDonald's of before course. the game. Well, let, let's the go whole experience. Let's go yeah. whole, the whole hog. They're laughing. They might have circuited last night, and they're having a laugh. Like, there's one rule for playing with an, well, against friends in cricket that you know better than perhaps your own teammates, and that is to deal with them awkwardly. As though you're not sure if you know them, you don't know how to deal with them, and to generally just be um, a re- repressed male. Well, the, just the general dehumanisation yeah. of the opposition is important in sport. Mm. You have to treat them like the other. Mm. You yeah, know? it's like Orientalism. Mm-hmm. Edward say it's the same. It's the same, it's the same thing. It's the same so, thing. I think it's. Disgu- I think it's disgusting. See, I wonder, Pez, if 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 you looking at that makes you feel like you're not elite. Because like the international players don't turn up together, Correct. so maybe you're actually projecting your fears of just like, well, I'm actually. It's like when you get asked to do the sight screens. It's like, well, the test players don't have to fucking do yeah. that. Why should I have to score? Yeah. Why should I have to go umpire, get drinks sorted? The pros yeah. don't do that. Someone yeah. does that for them. Exactly. Yeah. Nothing makes you feel more amateur than like carrying a wet hessian on a Saturday morning. Correct. <laughs> uh, Mitchell Casey, g'day lads. Whilst my team was fielding during our game on the weekend, I witnessed one of the most unbelievable dismissals in cricket history. They had a new batsman in who was standing or starting at the non-striker's end. And after the striker had tucked one around the corner to find leg, the non-striker called the striker through for what should have been an easy single. About halfway through the run, the new batsman somehow managed to clip his pad with his bat before going on to trip over his bat and fall to a halt in the middle of the pitch. In his infinite wisdom, he decided to turn around and travel back a few metres to collect his bat before going on to attempt to complete the run. Nice. He was eventually run out by about a quarter of the pitch for a diamond duck with no one but himself to blame. I'm wondering what kind of bizarre dismissals you guys saw in your cricket careers. Were there any more day-ruining dismissals than this one? Every dismissal is a day-ruiner um, in the amateur True. realm. Um, there's obviously the, the the obvious ones are when like the bowler gets nick on the follow-through when the ball rolls down mm. to the non-striker stumps and stuff. I remember getting out once, run out, by not sliding my bat. Instead, I was completing a second run, running to the bowler's end, not even my runs. And I like didn't slide my bat or put my bat down. I like went to just step in and it was fucking village. It was like one of my first second grade games. It would have been maybe 19, 20, something like that. And it was just, I still think about it. It was the most embarrassing village, pathetic way to get out. Man, I need to play cricket in because I've forgotten everything. Yeah, you actually never got out. I never got out. I never dropped a catch. I never got out. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I once, like, speaking of like day ruiners, 
Uh, <laughs> I once nicked one in under 11s against Monash. Oh, that's mm. hard. And really? Monash, yeah. yeah, I really wanted to. I really wanted to score runs yeah. that day. Um, you always hit was, runs against Holy Family, didn't you? Yeah, correct. And <laughs> I, I once nicked one, caught behind. They were all Yahoo, and I got two. And I claimed then that I didn't hit it. Hmm. And I definitely hit it. And um, as I walked off the field, Blackburn Park, I threw my bat on the ground, dewy ground, and then kicked it all the way off. I still remember the, the bat sliding along the ground as I kicked oh, it off. And then yuck. I still I looked up and... Um, a lot of people were standing there facing me as I, I threw this tantrum and my dad was in the middle who was mm. our coach and he said, we all heard it, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Which as a father now mate. I realised was that like in context it was an important lesson. That at the time I did not heed it. I took my gear off and sat in the car for hours yeah. until my then best friend came and sat, came in and sat with me and implored me to come out and I didn't. Oh. Um I mean, that ruined my day. A day ruiner is when the opposition is yahooing out of disbelief or just yeah, like, yeah. it's so incongruous that you've got out the way that you have and yeah. they're just hooting and hollering and yeah. yoos and it's, woos it's the, and it's all the these laughing. Different. It's the fear mm. of hearing of laughter when you've got out. Just like you've just made someone else's day that they're going to be telling stories about back at the yeah. clubhouse afterwards. They'll yeah, remember this yeah. day for years and you will never be able to forget your darkest And when the game moment. is over and you're shaking hands, you can see this perceptible yeah. smile creep across bad luck, face. <laughs> bad, bad yeah, luck, mate. that's good. Bad luck, luck mate. That's yeah, good. Yeah. Yeah. You're all faceless fucking no ones, but you are a member. Yeah, you yeah are a that, member. that I love that juxtaposition between like the niceness on the face of opposition as you shake hands <laughs> and you think, oh, all of the previous sledging is actually eroded now and we're yeah. just friends. Mm. And as soon as they pass you, you're walking out onto the ground, they're walking back because they've just won. Yeah. yeah. They, and as soon as they hit the dressing room with the acoustics, you can hear the, yeah! <laughs> and then with perfect synchronicity yeah. the bass drum yeah. of the solo bin starts yeah while you sit in the dressing room heads bowed yeah. everyone pretending they're disappointed instead just yeah. thinking where am i going out tonight yeah. yeah and then someone says shit song yeah <laughs> doesn't even have a melody it's a shit song kelly o tom Dear Ask TGC, last one this week. He says, a couple of seasons ago when I was still a ton virgin, luckily last summer I managed to grab consecutive Saturday tons, albeit in the Yuck Division 3 Village League, that I like to think I'm better than, but my stats would suggest otherwise. In the latter of the two, I was dropped four times. I was playing a 70-over Sunday friendly, a code reserved predominantly for old blokes in full button-down shirts and old suntan Duncan Fernley sticks. Um... So I've just lost my place here because my notes up's close. Uh, bear with me. Um, Duncan Vernley sticks. When I got into a bit of a knock in the middle of an old village ground, bouncy track with a tiny boundary. Feeling like a young Andrew Simons, I started to dominate the feeble bowling and race towards three-figure immortality. On the penultimate ball of the penultimate over, I hit a single off my legs to see the crowd about of about 12 people leap to their feet and call out the hallowed words of battered mate and good knock son. I lifted my cap and kissed the badge and held my bat aloft. I was there, the promised land. Finally, my father could be proud. He wasn't there, of course. The next ball, uh, the next ball, the bloke at the other end was out, bringing to the crease a number 11, someone's young son who hadn't played before, who had been patiently waiting with his pads on for his first knock of men's cricket. The first ball of the last over, I prodded the ball straight to mid-off and saw the nipper running down the wicket. Knowing that I had reached the pinnacle of my cricketing career, I duly accepted his call and was run out of the bowler's end, allowing the youngster to get a taste of men's cricket. Strolling back to the pavilion, I felt a sense of pride for my achievement and also for my selfless act of falling on my sword for the next generation. It was only when I joined my friends on the boundary rope when I was told that the scorer got it wrong and that I had in fact been dismissed for 98. As my mates laughed, I wanted to cry. 
What a stupid fucking sport. My question is this. Does my ton count? People clapped. I punched the air. The feeling was so real. Mm. Is there such a thing as a moral hundred? Thoughts? Much love. Mm. Does it count? Well, there's no substitute for the elation that you felt in that exact moment, is there? There's obviously also no excuse for your naivety. I mean, Mm. I know whenever I... I got out a few times on 49 or whatever it was, 98 once actually. But whenever I was approaching a milestone, then I achieved it. I always made sure to hit a few runs afterwards. Just a couple couple of little singles down because you knew. Because scoring is such an unsophisticated form of data entry, isn't it? It's awesome. And, you know, you've got blokes, there's a changeover between scores. So you're Mm. you're basically relying on your teammates to collect the score. And then when there's a bit of conversation going, maybe you don't have good chemistry Mm -hmm. with the other team's scorer. Mm -hmm. There's always going to be, you know, a few runs in in and out. So I think... What he should learn from this is that just next time you do get a 50 or a 100, just make sure you get a few more. Just make sure of it. I remember um, it was a second grade game. One of the guys in the team, my team, was on, he's, he scored 99. He had, take, he had driven our scorer to the ground right. that day. It was the year of Gordon's centenary dinner. So there was a big event happening that Saturday night. Nice. He scored his 100. Bat celebrated. We all clapped. Come back in. Realize he'd actually been declared on or dismissed for 99. Mm. Uh, the guy who got the 99 then accidentally left the scorer at the ground whilst he had left early to go and participate in the Gordon Centenary dinner, <laughs> therefore leaving the scorer uh, completely abandoned by himself without a lift home. So He's still there. Mm. He's, he's still, he, he, died he lives in later. the stadium now. Yeah. I, I would suggest that like what, what Kelly O'Thomas should have done is to absolutely scold the young batsman and give him a proper taste of men's cricket. Hmm. Saying, how fucking dare you take this away from me? There should be repercussions on the scorer. How come the scorer gets away scot-free? Good point. With this. Mm. I mean, the, the, he loses his hundred. What mm. The scorer doesn't lose anything. Oh, sorry, mate. Fucked up. No repercussions. Should be blacklisted from scoring. I actually think that uh, like identity politics is normally pretty... is actually pretty good if you just have the... The, the language and maturity to deal with it. I think that like the term political correctness is actually a, an insidious uh, propaganda tool used by the right wing. Mm-hmm. Um, usually it just means you're sensitive with language. It's not really a big deal to be politically correct. Um, though moral hundred sounds fucking overly political correct. <laughs> I'd like to rather just be black and white about it. You didn't get a hundred. Yeah. The, the feeling, the ovulation that you had yeah. um, is invalid. It was wrong. Mm-hmm. Yep. It was um, wrong to feel that. Yeah, there were plenty more balls for the kid to get on strike. You should have just hit one into the gap. Mm. Uh, and you should definitely it's, feel is regret. It, is it a little bit like... <laughs> is it like, you know, Hillary Clinton getting two million more votes yeah. in the US presidential yeah, election? Yeah. Although, if you look at the actual electoral college results, mm-hmm. didn't win. Yeah. Exactly. Moral yeah. victory. Fuck off with your moral victory, Hillary. <laughs> and check your emails. Isn't, is, <laughs> isn't Kelly's problem now that like anytime he scores 100 again, he's, like, he'll always be like, did I really get it? It will, mm. he'll be brought back to this day so now even success for him will now resonate with failure mm. and the painful painful memories of that one day of getting 98 that's the Great Cricketer podcast this week thanks to Adam Zampa for joining the show for the second time uh, the Great Cricketer on 7 starting this week live shows in Adelaide and Brisbane coming up greatcricketer.club for all your tickets we'll see you there cheers <laughs>